Earlier this year, Mark Schaefer published a book called Marketing Rebellion. The core message of the book is that marketing has changed fundamentally and permanently. Now, I caught up with Mark recently to discuss some of the themes that have emerged from both Marketing Rebellion and this podcast over the last few months. Today's show features a wide-ranging conversation that touches on the future of Facebook, on politics, on the law, and on fake news. Hate is more interesting to people than truth. And if you hate something or someone, you're going to clamp on to whatever is negative about those people, regardless of the truth, and spread it. We also talk about technology, automation, mental health, and customer loyalty. And the great irony in our world today is that personalization has become impersonal. We're calling it human, but it's not really human. This is not the way people connect to each other in real life. It's marketing talk. And I think we, we need to sort of like slap ourselves and wake up and say, look, let's treat people like friends, like we want to be treated. That's all coming up after this. This is Digital Download, a podcast that explores the latest thinking in digital communications, PR and social media. Here's your host, Paul Sutton. Throughout this season of the podcast, Mark, I focused a lot on the way social networks have developed, on mistrust, on issues that marketing comms people are suffering from, and on things like data privacy in it. If I'm honest, it's all been a little bleak. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I'm kind of curious on on your views of how we get out of this hole we're in at the moment. And you know, I'm hoping that you, throughout the course of this half hour or so, might have some words of comfort for me. I don't know whether that's going to be the case or not. Well, it's it's funny, Paul. You know, I sort of have the same uh, concern. And I yep. think that a, a lot of the tone of my content has been sort of uh, alarming. Yep. Uh, and, and that's just an accurate reflection of some of my concerns about the world. But I think the thing that, that's comforting about this to me is that we need to step back and look at something like Google or Facebook or Twitter. This has never been done before in history. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, 25 years ago, uh, we didn't have anything like these things. And we have all this amazing, useful functionality that has certainly changed my life. And... So I think that the thing that's comforting is that, look, this is all new territory. Yeah. And, and we're, and we're going to figure it out and we'll get to the other side and, and we'll be okay. I reflect on the early days of uh, search engine optimization. It was bleak. <laughs> it yep. was ugly. It was terrible. It was so unethical. Mm-hmm. And this, this is how I comforted myself at the time. And I think how I sort of comfort myself now is I knew that if, if Google let the, the black hat SEO people win, then Google could not survive. Mm -hmm. And so what, what comforted me is, is, look, if I do the right things, if I focus on, some, on great content 
and really serving my audience and sort of ignoring all this negative stuff. As long as I keep that solid path, I'm going to be okay. And I was. And I think that's what we can look forward to in all of these social media platforms today. Um, they've got to figure it out. Yep. And they've got to figure out a way to get to get the trust back or uh, their their whole business is in jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you've done a couple of shows on the Marketing Companion podcast recently with Brooke on mm -hmm. these sorts of topics around the sort of stuff I mentioned. So, I, I mean, I, I kind of know it's on your mind too. Yeah, sure. One of the things you've talked about just recently is is fake news and, and deep fake technology and how that's mm -hmm. kind of, over the next year or 18 months, you would expect deep fake technology to be kind of available to everyone the way it's moving so fast mm -hmm. do you think that's a a big threat to to marketers to society as a whole i mean how do you see that now so now i just ha had some positive statements now i'm going to have some negative statements <laughs> okay now i'm going to br i'm bring i'm going to bring the house back down here yep. paul <laughs> well look you know the thing that's remarkable about our day is that news travels so fast and can become viral so fast without people even thinking. And um, I, I've just been doing some reading and researching recently about this, where there have been several examples where even fake news, even after, after it's been discounted, People still believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just been shared so much. It sort of becomes part of the culture. Yeah. People aren't aren't thinking. They're not processing. And so with the advent of, of fake news, as you said, these deep fakes, meaning, you know, we can start making videos that look like people are saying things that they're not saying mm -hmm. and just manufacture people getting into different different situations and it's going to be unstoppable mm. at least from my perspective right now and that's another thing where the world is going to have to figure that out yeah or the whole thing will will collapse and i think you know they they will figure it out one of the things i'm doing right now is i'm being more careful about what i subscribe to you know i'm starting to subscribe to sources where I, I pay a subscription. I don't just count on free news. Uh -huh. I'm trying to invest in, in better journalism and get better news. But it's a threat not just to news, but to businesses too, because people could make fake stuff up about your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And boom, you know, there it goes with the same sort of viral uh, threat. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my concern is that exactly as you say, people don't seem to really question things they see a lot nowadays and you kind of I, I see a lot of blindly accepting what is presented on social media particularly and it concerns me and and I, I know you take Facebook as an example they talk about sort of freedom of speech and 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 are not blocking I don't know fake content or mm -hmm. in our case in the UK at the moment we've got an election coming up very soon and they're talking about not fact-checking political ads and stuff and I, 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 while I can see the argument for freedom of speech, I just think that's plain nonsense, isn't it? Well, it's it, on on a, on one level, 
it seems like it's nonsense, but this is something that I really, I've studied very carefully. And I have to tell you, it's an extraordinarily complex subject. In, in what way? Let me just give you two examples. Okay. So number one, let's say not all, not all political ads are from politicians. All mm -hmm. right. So yep. let's say I have some strong opinions about climate change and I'm mm -hmm. a blogger yep. who writes about climate change. And maybe I even have some extreme opinions and I want to spread those ideas and I want to spread those opinions. So like any good blogger or any good content creator, I post these on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook, and maybe I'll boost this with an ad. Yep. Is that a political ad? Okay. By the definition of a political ad, it might be because political ads aren't just politicians. It's also causes. So that's number one. Number two, I, I saw, I think it was last year, um, there's an American news program that's famous called 60 Minutes. And yep. they did a profile of the fellow who was running the Facebook ads for the Trump campaign. And whenever people are posting these ads, it's not like a copywriter, you know, sitting in a, in a you know, over a desk, you know, writing out the copy for these ads. These ads are computer generated. Yeah, yeah. They're generated by algorithms, millions per minute. And they're doing on the fly, you know, A-B testing, A-B testing, A-B testing, A-B testing. They're testing every color, every sentence, every word, every image, boo, 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 over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And humans are only partially involved. So now, how are you going to fact check a million ads a minute, mm -hmm. you know? So, so I, I, I'd say at a high level, philosophically, anything that could threaten the democratic process has got to be addressed. Now, if once you start getting at levels underneath that, it, it, it gets very complicated and I'm, you know, I'm not defending Facebook by any means, but I am saying it's, and I just gave two examples. There are 10 examples yep. of how this is a very complicated issue. So do you think that is why they've taken this stance then? And just from a bit of kind of knowledge that I have as well. So I'm running a, a big charity campaign at mm -hmm. the moment, which stretches across, it's around the world. And to advertise in the United States, we've had to set up certain processes that mean for example, I cannot advertise from the UK to the US. Mm -hmm. It has to be a, a US-based ad account with someone in the US mm -hmm. who is authorized to do this. Mm -hmm. It has to be an, a, a, an ad account that is in US dollars. And there's various other things. And it has to have a disclaimer against it. So they're, they're very kind of rugged in this process. But like I say, this is a well, this is a charity campaign. And I accept, exactly to your point, this is about specifically homeless but it is you can argue it's a social issue it is therefore a political issue so i agree they are they are clamping down on this stuff but at the same time i'm hearing them saying you know we're, we're not gonna check political ads so well let's 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 take it up an even higher level facebook is not breaking the law no no okay they're a public company and they have a responsibility to make money for their shareholders period. Now, that's not to say, so th this is a very important point. It's not really about Facebook. 
It's about the law. The laws have not kept up with the technology. Yeah, yeah. This isn't necessarily Facebook's fault, right? Yeah. And it's not just Facebook. It's CRISPR, the gene editing technology. It's artificial intelligence. The, the laws are behind the technology in every category, in every category. Mm-hmm. So this is just sort of like the canary in the coal mine. If you think we've got problems with Facebook, that's just the beginning. Sure. And, and I, you know, I, 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 I'm certainly not a political authority even about the U.S. government, let alone the U.K. and other governments in the world. But I can tell you my observation is that our political leaders in Washington don't even know how to ask the right questions about technology, let alone create a vision of something going forward. You even yeah. look at, you know, the, the political campaigns that are starting to run here for next year's election. And this isn't even on the radar screen of, of the candidates as a, as a, as a high issue. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to take, it's going to take a, a crisis or a disaster of some kind probably to raise this in, in terms of the awareness. Yeah. So if, if the likes of, I know we're picking on Facebook a here, but, mm-hmm. but if the likes of the technology platforms, let's call it that, mm-hmm. aren't taking responsibility for the spread of this stuff, how, well, how much personal responsibility do you think we have? Or do we need some big educational campaigns by, I don't know, governments or whoever else about not spreading misinformation what's what's your view on that oh it's it's got to be it, it, it it's got to be regulated i mean there's got to be laws uh let's face it i mean there's a lot of people who are stupid and a lot of people who are lazy and the other thing that i i observe about our society is that hate is more interesting to people than truth yeah very much so and if you hate something or someone you're going to clamp on to whatever is negative about those people, regardless of the truth, and spread it. And you may you may even know that it's not true, and you and you spread it because the hate of an individual or you know some some cause or some company that is going to overwhelm the truth. It's sad. Yeah. So I don't think we can count on individual regu- uh, self-regulation, we can't count on Facebook regulating itself. Mm-hmm. If I was Mark Zuckerberg, I'd be going to the U.S. government asking for intervention. Sure. Don't wait for it to happen. You know, I'd, I would just say, look, we need help. We're, and we want to be part of the solution. It just makes so much sense to me that, I mean, everybody knows it's got to be regulated. So why wouldn't he be forthright about it and be proactive about it it's instead of waiting for someone to, uh, you know, clamp down on him. Sure. Do, do you still use Facebook personally? I do, you know, uh, and it gets down to a very simple thing for me. Um, I know a lot of people in our space are, are kind of struggling with this and saying, you know, I'm going to go off of Facebook. But for me, it gets down to, cultural relevance. Mm-hmm. Number one, I mean, it's it's culturally relevant. And I sort of want to see what's going on. I, I, I think if I closed myself off from Facebook, it would be closing myself off from something that's really significant in our world today. So that's number one. Number two 
is I kind of like it as a way to see what's going on with my friends around the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I like seeing people's baby pictures and their, you know, different trips that they're taking and milestones in their lives. And, you know, Facebook's collecting stuff off of me. Yeah, oh, well, you know, um, yes, it, it is. <laughs> I mean, what are they going to, I mean, you know, I, I know that I know they're doing it and, you know, I, I, I don't even really see the ads that they're showing me. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying it couldn't end up into some nefarious hands at some point. It probably will. But, you know, I, I think right now I, it's, it's culturally significant. It's personally entertaining. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a light user of, of Facebook. Um, so it, it doesn't really bother me that much. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, I I came off Facebook at the very start of this year. I say I came off; I still have a profile because I need it for mm. for business reasons. But I don't have any friends on there now. I don't log in personally anymore. But I, I saw a study literally just today, uh, earlier today, before we we're recording this, and it was a study done on the age groups using different social networks throughout the US. Mm-hmm. Anyone over the age of 22, Facebook was still the dominant platform. And that really surprised me because I thought Instagram, a a, a younger age anyway, Mm -hmm. would have overtaken it by now, but it hasn't. And, and you you know, you go up another decade, 32 years plus, which to me, being my age, is is still young. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, it's still the dominant platform among these age groups. And that almost made me stop and think, you know, about how just how dominant it is despite all the other stuff that's gone on people still use facebook well, I, w- I would say at least for 25 years of age and and over they haven't really abandoned facebook but they've diversified yeah so we know they're still on facebook you know we it might, might not be that much but certainly i think social media has stratified by demographics the only age group that's growing on facebook is 55 plus Mm -hmm. i think you can say that uh, snapchat is the place to hang out if you're maybe 30 to 18 Mm -hmm. and if you're under 18 uh now you're going to tiktok that's right yeah absolutely. and uh the the teenagers that are coming up behind that generation they're going to find something else because they're going to look at tiktok and they're going to say that's where my big brother is forget it i'm not going to (laughs) be yeah yeah uh, you know, I want my own place. So, and, you know, I think that's fine. I think that's healthy, but you're right. I mean, uh, your Facebook is still incredibly powerful. And for an advertiser, it's very elegant. It's an elegant solution. You could, yeah. you could basically go to one single place and reach almost, you know, almost everybody. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you can, absolutely. I mean, I work with a lot of companies where we're, we're employing advertising strategies that absolutely they reach, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of people if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, again, you go down to the micro targeting that you've always had. It might not be as quite as micro as it used to be, but you can still reach people. So the fact that I personally might not trust it or like it or use it is irrelevant when it comes to my day job, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's right. Um, in your video trailer for your Marketing Rebellion book, which was released, I think, last year now, mm-hmm. it talked about for like 100 years, consumers have rebelled against lies. 
I agree with you, but I wonder whether that's now changing a bit because we know that there's a lot of lies come through Facebook Mm -hmm. and other social networks. Like I said, we're picking on Facebook, but do you think that's still the case? And, And are we kind of, do you think we're starting to take back control now of what we see and what we hear and what we're exposed to? Because I mean, we all know that ads don't really work the way they used to even on facebook the response rates to ads have gone down significantly in the last 12 months Mm -hmm. and we're all moving behind sort of walls you know into i don't know whatsapp or messenger or slack or these other places Mm -hmm. but do you think by doing that sort of stuff we are taking back control of our digital lives and becoming more perhaps human in the way we communicate with one another Yeah, I think that's a very keen observation. And in the fourth quarter of 2015, something very significant happened. For the first time, people were spending more time on communication networks that were behind a firewall like Messenger or Snapchat or WhatsApp than public social media like Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. And that has continued to grow. Now, the usage of face, uh, of social media has also continued to grow. But in 2015, the lines crossed. And I think it's for some of the very reasons you're, you're hinting at here is that people are tired of being judged. They're tired of being bullied. They're tired of you know, stuff going public uh, that they don't want to go public. And I think it's healthy to have like a little communication group where you just say, well, you know, I, I want this to be for just a small group of friends or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to put a little video on Instagram or Snapchat. That's going to disappear in a, in a couple hours or a day. Yep. And I, I hope that that will connect to people in a more trusting way that, that communication will be more honest and vulnerable since, you know, hopefully it'll be private that's not necessarily playing out in the in the statistics however we see that the more time that people spend on social media the more isolated and more depressed and lonely they are yeah. and that's a trend that's been escalating year to year to year and it's something i'm very concerned about uh it's really turning into a health crisis and most researchers are saying social media is a big part of that yeah, absolutely. I was listening to a podcast just this week, actually. It's a Gimlet Media podcast. And they were interviewing one of the guys who founded the app platform for Facebook, effectively. He was like the 29th employee at Facebook or something. And he has now, he, he went on to set up Path, which you, you may remember. And now he's setting oh, up. Oh, yeah. And he's now setting up this this online service, which is all around mental health and addressing the issues that social media is is actually causing and it, it, it you know I listening to that made me think wow that's a complete turnaround from someone who effectively helped cause this stuff although at the time obviously they didn't know it was going to have this impact one of the things that used to be said and I know this is old style thinking but maybe even sort of 10 years ago was around social media will allow people to have a relationship with a, a brand or an organization and I think we've you know We've killed that stone dead once and for all. People don't trust what brands say. They trust people. Mm-hmm. Do you think loyalty, and this is something that you covered in Marketing Rebellion, do you think mm-hmm. loyalty to brands and organizations is now 
also dead or at least dying? Well, undeniably, is it's dying. I mean, there there's just uh, the research is is compelling. It's profound. In the book, I, I point out research from Accenture and Deloitte and McKinsey that shows that basically 87% of our customers are shop around customers. Yeah, yeah. This is a dramatic difference over the last 20 or 25 years. But there is a clue in the McKinsey research that tells us why. And it says that there's a lack of emotion in our marketing. Because if you think what's happened at the same time over the last 20 to 25 years, we've shifted our focus as marketers from connection and emotion to the marketing technology stack. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we've been focusing on how do we build out our automation and how do we build out our lead nurturing Mm -hmm. and how do we build out our content resources. And that's been to the detriment of, of doing what people really want us to do. And the great irony in our world today is that personalization has become impersonal. <laughs> you know, to most people, we think of personalization as, well, you know, we're going to create this email campaign and it's going to have their name on it and maybe they'll refer to the town that they live in or something. But, you know, we, we've, been co- we've become conditioned now to know as soon as we see that email with, you know, our name at the top, then it's probably something that we're, we're not going to want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's ironic, huh? <laughs> people, people want personal, not personalization. And that yeah. there's a big difference there. We're moving into this world where a lot of these little tricks that we, we think are personalization and human aren't working. I'm, I'm working on a, on a blog post. Paul, I'll give you a little, a little early taste of this. <laughs> So here in America, and I imagine it's this way over in the UK, we have things like lollipops, candy. So you'll get this piece of candy and it'll say grape and it's purple and it says grape. But when you taste it, it's not grape. Right. It doesn't taste like a real grape. (laughs) There are no grapes associated with it. There's no real grape in the world that's that color or tastes that way. But somehow... In our mind, marketers have conditioned us to think that this is grape. And that's the same thing that's happening with personalization and human connection today, is we're doing things that we th- we're we calling it human, but it's not really human. No, no, no. This is not the way people connect to each other in real life. Yeah. It's, t- it's, it's marketing talk. It's grape. It's not real. <laughs> we're doing grape marketing. <laughs> That it's our definition of what's real, but that's not real. And I think we, we need to sort of like slap ourselves and, and, and wake up and say, look, let's treat people like friends, yeah. like we want to be treated. We need to look around our companies and stop doing what people hate and get out there and see what people love and do more of that at a minimum. Yeah. I, I think it's an interesting point because... I mean, a lot is made of artificial intelligence, for example, doing elements of our jobs that we do now. And, and I mean, I would count myself as falling into this trap, if we want to call it that, of thinking, mm-hmm. do you know what? AI is going to take over a large proportion of what we do, and it's going to leave us with maybe creativity and strategic thinking and that side of things. But I, over the last 
even even I would say six months, probably a bit longer than that, but not long, have come to kind of think, you know what, maybe tech isn't all that, and and we should be more moving towards more of a a kind of inward out model where we're we're trying to create word of mouth kind of at scale, I guess, but using our employees, for example, or our core fans, which I know you call an alpha audience, but you know rather than I don't know ads or PR or direct mail, which are all these these tactical things. What it comes back to is the fundamental aspect of connecting person to person, and I think I don't know. My impression is that that's been lost over the last two years because we're all blinded by technology. Yeah, and there, I mean, I'm not anti-technology. I mean, I I, I certainly appreciate technology and its, and its value in our our lives. What I'm against is people or companies abusing technology yeah. and using technology to abuse customers and annoy them and intercept them and just show up uninvited and it's got to go. Yeah. And one of the lessons I tried to show in my Marketing Rebellion book is that throughout history, when customers have rebelled against companies and the way they market to them, they always win. Mm-hmm. They always win. Mm-hmm. And so would don't you think it would be smart to listen to what our customers are saying right now and figure out a way to connect with them in a way that is amenable to them, that's going to be delightful to them? Today, there are 600 million smart devices with ad blockers on them in the world. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest civil rebellion in the history of the world. They're saying, we don't want the ads. And what's the ad industry's response to that? We got to find a way to get around the ad blockers and show (laughs) these people more ads. Yeah. Yeah. It's the dumbest possible response. And so that's what I mean. We've got to listen and we've got to know you've got to get ahead of this because the companies that get ahead of this, they're the ones that'll win. If you're still holding on to these old marketing techniques where you're intercepting people and you're interrupting people then you're going to become obsolete over time. Listen to what the customers are saying. Join that rebellion, and that's what will take you into the future. I guess one of the ways I think about it is pay attention to your own beliefs and thoughts and behaviors on this stuff. If you've got an ad blocker installed, why the hell are you going out producing ads for people, for example? you know, I just think we should pay more attention to the way we interact with marketing stuff even you know as as marketers right okay so just just to finish off then i've got kind of a big dual question for you Uh (laughs) uh-oh yeah sorry let me let me buckle in (laughs) what do you think the future of marketing or social media or both holds over the next year or two well let me break that up into two different questions because there's two distinct answers. Okay. You know, first of all, the the future of marketing is going to move into ways that recognize that the customer is the marketer. We are not in control. Yeah. We do not control the sales funnel. We do not control the customer journey. And we have to find ways to connect to customers that are so brilliant and so compelling that they want to take our story forward. That is truly marketing in the future. It's actually marketing now. 
I mean, that's going to be unfamiliar to people. It's going to be uncomfortable to people. We're going to have to measure in ways that are not on our nice, colorful dashboards. Yeah. So it's going to be a difficult transition. Now, second part of the question, future of social media. Short answer in that is, I don't know. And <laughs> That's what I always reason, say too. <laughs> I mean, the reason I don't know, and, and look, usually I'm pretty good at that, <laughs> but there's so many megatrends coming all together. We already talked about regulation. It's going to happen. Maybe breaking up monopolies. You know, that's less certain, I think. Then you've got augmented reality and virtual reality. You've got, you've got the impact of, of voice. You've got artificial intelligence, you've got 5G, and all these things are coming together in very, very interesting ways. And it's it's almost like, you know, pick your own ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, 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 it's not clear to me, and it's not going to become clear until I think after the U.S. election and we see kind of where the regulations are going to go. It's not crystal clear to me. I don't think it can be crystal clear to anybody right now uh, where social media is going to be. The blog post I'm working on right now, it's like it's like riding a mountain bike. If you ride a mountain bike, you don't look ahead. You, you just look like a foot or two in front of you mm-hmm. because there's going to be a route and there's going to be a rock and you kind of have to pick your path. That's going to be social media for the next couple of years. There's no... 12-month strategy. You just have to pick your path really month to month to month to adjust to the roots and the rocks that are going to be in your way. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant analogy, actually. I was talking to someone on LinkedIn today, and she she actually posed a question around business strategy, but my response was kind of similar to that in that over the last year, I'm just adapting and rolling with it and moving and flexing. And <laughs> I think you've just got to do that. I, I, I completely agree with that. I think it's the way... We just have to be for the for the meantime for the for the foreseeable future. Well, listen, Mark. Uh, look, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and thank you so much for making time to talk to me today. Where can people get hold of you if they would like to talk to you further? Well, I hope they do want to talk to me further because I would like to talk to them for sure. And uh, it's easy to find me at businessesgrow.com. If you can remember businesses grow, then you can find everything. My my blog is there. The podcast that you mentioned I do with Brooke Sellis is there called Marketing Companion. All of my books are there and lots of cool ideas and resources that are absolutely free for everyone. So I hope that uh, people will find me there and also connect to me on social media. Yeah, lovely. And, and I'd just like to add a final word that if, if anyone listening hasn't read Marketing Rebellion, really go and get yourself a copy because it will it will really make you think in a way that... Maybe you, it's been in your mind, but you haven't quite dared to express just yet. So go and get a copy. But thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you've got any ideas for future topics you'd like to see covered or people you'd like to hear from, contact me on Twitter where I'm at the Paul Sutton. Thank you for listening.